0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning. How are you? I'm a yellow hat. You know what a yellow hat is? Because as virtue of being a part of River Bluff Church and giving generously you help support this work disaster relief and we're a part of that nationally and globally and this year I I earned my yellow hat um, back in the 90's when uh, hi Um, back in the 90's when Hurricane Andrew devastated Homestead Florida and I went down with the team to, to help there And our church has been a part of, you know, disaster relief for for decades now. And this year, because of just the the number of storms and disasters in our nation, uh, many of you know that annually we receive a special offering um, at Christmas Eve and it gets kind of dedicated, aimed at something that's going on in our world or our nation. And this year our elders felt compelled to uh, focus that offering uh, on disaster relief. And so tomorrow night, uh, I invite you, one, to come to to our service, to worship uh, together. Uh, But also come ready to give and uh, to consider giving to uh, a a Christmas love offering to help those who are still recovering from disasters uh, all over our nation. I would encourage you uh, to do that. And uh, to, it's not too late to invite someone to come with you. Um, there are some invitation cards on your way out. You can take one. Uh, maybe if you're going out to lunch, invite maybe your server or someone else that you're connected to. Uh, to come and and worship the Lord with you tomorrow night uh, for our Christmas Eve candlelight and uh, communion service. And I I hope you'll do that. Um, We are in a series and we have been walking through the first 17 verses of the Gospel of John, which is where John gives his, we'll call it, non-traditional version of the Christmas story. And we're going to continue uh, there. Um, And part of what we've been seeing is that even though uh, God gave to the world what it needed, the world didn't always recognize what it needed. Sometimes we, we don't always know. What we need the most. And so this morning we're going to talk about that that gift that was first given over 2,000 years ago that we we can still receive today and still receive from Jesus. Emmanuel, God, God with us. And th- this passage that we're going to look at this morning, um, this section of, of that passage of Scripture from John chapter 1 uh, that I want us to turn our, our attention to today comes just before, just prior to what I think of as John's uh, one phrase capture of, uh, of the, the Christmas story. And it's found in John chapter 1 verse 14. We read it a moment ago in our responsive reading. And it just simply says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I think that's John's one phrase capture of the Christmas story. But I want us to read the verses that kind of precede that. So if you have your Bibles and you would. Open them to, uh, to John chapter 1. And we're going to read together verses 11 through 13. It's there on your worksheet. Uh, you can also uh, turn there in, in your Bibles. Verse 11, John 1. He, speaking of Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. This is the word uh, of the Lord. Now, I want us to think this morning, if you would, with me, uh, focusing on verse 12 from that section of Scripture, that all who would receive him, everybody who would receive him, anyone who would receive him, he would give them the right to have this title to be known as to become the, the children of God. And so the only way that you and I can really celebrate in all its fullness Christmas is in the recipient be receiving that, that gift, the gift that God gave. Now hopefully, I'm hoping this for you, and I'm definitely hoping it for me, that we're all gonna receive a lot of gifts this Christmas. I'm hoping you're gonna give some and, and receive some. And the natural response normally to, to, to being given a gift is, you know, we, we take it and we, we open it and hopefully you thank the giver. But I, I just wanna play a scenario out for you. See if you can just imagine, wrap your mind around this for, for a moment. What if, you, what if you gave a gift to someone and they never opened it. They, they just, let's say they never opened it. You know, and, and you, you, you gave the gift and a few days later you see them, you know, maybe at work or at some event and you say, hey, how did, how did you like the gift? And they say, oh, I, I never got around to opening. It's been really busy, I, I'll get to it this week. And a week later you, you run into them and you kind of have that same conversation, you know, kind of repeats itself. And then a week later, and three weeks after that, and the, you keep finding out they, they, they didn't open this gift. You would come to believe after a while you hadn't given a gift. You know, because they hadn't taken it in. They didn't receive it. They didn't, you, you made something available to them, but they didn't take in as own. They, they didn't derive the benefit from it that you had intended. And there are lots of people in this world who have heard of the gift of Jesus at Christmas. They've heard that it was given for them, to them. But they never have chosen to receive it. They, they didn't open it up. And sometimes those people fill churches every Sunday. Some of those people fill churches every Sunday. They've, but they've never received the gift of Jesus. Now, I I don't know what it was like in your household, um, but, you know, in certain Christmas settings, um, my parents, especially my mom, would carefully instruct me on proper gift receipt etiquette, you know, and she would, you know, say, now you better look surprised when you get that, you know, and are you better, you better be happy. You know, you better, you better be glad you got that. And you better thank your grandma. You know, it'd be, you'd get those kind of instructions. And even if it were, you know, tube socks, you'd have to thank grandma, you know, for, for that. And so really by now we're supposed to understand how to, how to receive a gift, even if, even if the gift is kind of unexpected, even if it's not something that you were anticipating. So here, here's what I want to I kind of start with a question this morning. I want to ask you have, you, have you ever been given a gift that caught you totally off guard? Didn't see that one coming, you know? Just a gift that, that caught you totally off guard, unexpected. Now, now here's why I want to stir that in your mind. Because right now, there are people in this room who are dying to know that. They're just dying to know what caught you off guard. What gift, what gift just surprised you? And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because we didn't do the greeting earlier. I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. Come on, stand up. So I know you got comfortable and you don't want to stand. You're saying, some of you are saying, I just got in my good sleep rim. But I need you to stand up. And here's what I want you to do, if you're able. I want you to just find a few people, welcome them to the river. And tell them about that gift that was just so unexpected. Take a moment to do that with one another and welcome each other here. Okay, as, as you're making your way back to your seats, you can go ahead and take your seats. You know, we, we get all kinds of gifts, you know, that can take us by surprise, that catch us off guard. Um, sometimes, not only is the gift recipient caught off guard, but sometimes the giver of great gifts is caught off guard. About two weeks ago, uh, in Cape Town, South Africa, Um, There was this great gift giver that was showing up uh, to give a great gift and he ended up being caught off guard uh, by the way that he was going to give this gift. Watch this video. no Santas were injured in the filming of that show. <laughs> the, the, um, sometimes you know a gift will catch us off even if it's us giving it. Um, that actually did happen uh, two weeks ago and was caught on video. And uh, But sometimes gifts that we give catch us off guard. Sometimes we give a gift and the way somebody responds to that gift that can catch us off guard and believe it or not even though it was Proclaimed, It was prophesied. Hundreds, thousands uh, of years even before it happened. When Jesus arrived, lots of people were caught off guard. Lots of people were just blown away. And God gave this gift of his son to the world. It had been announced, but the scriptures even tell us how to receive it, how to unwrap the gift. This gift of, of salvation in him, but so many people don't receive it. Jesus has come down from heaven. He became like us and yet without sin and that way he wasn't like us. He he came and he died this atoning death. He he came and that death conquered, literally conquered death for anybody who would receive him. And he established his, his eternal kingdom through that. And because of that, the Bible says that anyone who would receive him would become a, an heir to that everlasting kingdom. For those who believe and receive, they could be called the children of God. They could become the, the children of God if they will receive him. So, how do you do that? How do you, how do you actually receive this gift? And this is what I want us to, to, to think about this morning on this eve of Christmas Eve is how do we actually fully receive that? How, how do we do it this way? How do we wholly, completely, how do we wholly, completely receive this holy gift that God gave that first Christmas? And I want to just look at three ways. There, there are probably more pieces of this, but these are, I think, are the three primary ways we receive God's holy gift at Christmas. First, we accept it with gratitude. We accept it with gratitude, Because I didn't pay for it. It's not something that I paid for. It's not something I could pay for. I just couldn't do it. I don't know if you have ever been in an awkward gift-receiving moment. Maybe you've given somebody a gift... And they in turn are giving you their gift and y'all are kind of opening them together. And when you open their gift, you realize they spent significantly more on you than they did on, you did on them. You know? And I don't mean just a little bit. They, they went way outside your hemisphere. You know, of gift giving and you, you, you couldn't have even bought that for them if you wanted to, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you know they're not, they're not the kind of person that plays that, you know, tit for tat, hoping that you'll reciprocate kind of thing. They're just simply wanting to express their love for you. Their affection for your friendship, their uh, something maybe that you've done in kindness to them, but you still look at your gift and the gift that they gave you, and you know, there's just kind of undoes you just a little bit. But the truth is, if you gave that gift from your heart, man, it it should it doesn't matter. What you do in a moment like that is you just express you express your thanks. You express, express your gratitude, you know, you thank them, you thank God you didn't have to pay for something like that, but you know, you, you just, you express this gift, uh, your, your affection for them for, for giving you something so lavishly. Now, I- instead, some people don't know what to do with that. You know, we read this verse a moment ago from John 1, That at Christmas, and again I think this is John's Reader's Digest condensed version of the Christmas story. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God gave His Son. God left heaven. Jesus left heaven and He came to earth. And here's the deal on this. There's nothing that you could do as far as giving to God. There's nothing that you could do that could impress Him based upon His generosity. You know, after all, this, this little babe, this, this beautiful gift of Jesus, he, he, could have, he could have waved his little baby finger and created a mountain range. You know, he, he could do anything. Jesus' half-brother would, would later write about Jesus and, and, and God, that every good gift, every perfect present comes from heaven. It comes from God. So all good gifts, anything good that is in your life, God had his hand in. God had His hand in you in you receiving that. Jesus one day is teaching, and in His teaching, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, greatest ever message ever given. Part of that message, Jesus does kind of a gift analysis, uh, and He compares your gift giving capacity, my gift giving capacity, with God's. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew seven, and if you hard hearted, sinful men know how to give good gifts to your children. Won't your Father in heaven even more certainly give good gifts? He's saying the the, the capacity for our giving and compared to God's giving is just totally different. God gives good gifts. And he gave the greatest gift on, on that first Christmas when he gave Jesus. And although we can't match his gift in value, there's nothing that we can do. God does want to know that you appreciate it. He wants to know that I appreciate it. So God is looking for our expression of gratitude for his unbelievable gift. And the way that God desires us to express our appreciation for his gratitude are simply through our obedience, through returning love to him, our devotion to him, our our, our giving of our lives to him. That's what he's looking for. That's, that's the only real way to respond to this great gift that God gave through Jesus at Christmas is to receive it with gratitude. But a second part of receiving that great gift, if we want to wholly completely accept this holy gift at Christmas, we must also do it with humility. We, we got to receive it, receive it with gratefulness, gratitude, but we also need to do it with humility. And we need to do it humbly because we couldn't afford the gift. Even if we knew that it could be purchased, we couldn't afford it. Not not a single one of us could afford this incredible gift that God gave that first Christmas. You know, the the only thing that it could do in us in, in humility is to stir in us a desire to honor God by becoming like him. And the Bible tells us that God, God's a giver. God, God gave his son that, that first Christmas. God, God gives. And so God, one of the ways we can honor him is becoming like him. One of the ways we can humble ourselves is, be, is becoming like him. And that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that we have had just incredible opportunities this season in, in our church to be a part of uh, generous giving. Many of you gave uh, recently to an offering that our women's ministry was collecting at Christmas uh, to help uh, a local ministry called Doors to Freedom help them in their fight uh, against girls and and women uh, being trafficked, human trafficking. Providing a safe environment for them, a place where they can be loved, a place where they can come and learn. And you gave generously. To to help support that ministry. Many of you have already given and and are planning to give to our global missions offering. That we take up all during December to support the work of missionaries. We support thousands of missionaries uh, out uh, that are stationed globally. Some of the remotest parts of the world where the gospel does not have a foothold. And our, our global missions offering, that's what that green envelope in your chair backs is about, goes to support those missionaries. All of it that's collected goes on the field to support them in their work of taking the gospel to places where the gospel really does not have a strong foothold. Where there really is no, no movement of the church to help, help plant the gospel in those places. What we would call the uttermost parts of the world. And so this, this heart of giving brings honor to God because that's who he is. And so when, when we in humility become like our father, we get to see the kingdom of God coming in great ways. It doesn't always involve money though. Very, very recently, um, several weeks back, one of our church members experienced the tragic sudden loss of her husband. Many of you know Kim Cosgrove came home and unexpectedly found her husband had, had died. And um, some of you, you know, gave money to help that, uh, encourage her and support. But here's, here's what happened. Most of her husband's family, his name was John, most of John's family was from the Massachusetts area. And so we, when we had the service here, so many of you poured out your heart and you sacrificially came and served that family. You just, you just loved on them. Well, I I don't know what their experience is like with the church in Massachusetts, but I do know this. They were blown away. Many of them said that they had never seen a church love like you loved them and loved Kim. They'd never seen that kind of love displayed. And they were so moved by it that they decided to change what they do at Christmas. Normally, the adults would draw names and they would exchange gifts and the gift limit was $200. And they got together and made the decision that they weren't going to exchange gifts this year. Instead, they were going to send all of that money to River Bluff Church for for us to distribute However, they they didn't put any parameters on it, but they were just so moved by your generosity that they felt like they had to do something. And so, this is what they did. So, what we did in turn is we turned it around and and gave that money uh, to families who were struggling at Christmas. And so, your gift of service has blessed this family in Massachusetts and now blessed seven other families uh, just because of the way that you gave of yourselves. And so this giving that honors God can involve giving financially but it also involves giving your talent and your time and your love to people. So many of you participated in Love Gave and it was a great day at Love Gave. We gave uh, hundred bags of food away. Each bag had a Bible in it. Uh, people gave uh, of their gently used stuff. Uh, one lady came and donated her doll collection. And um, I can't tell you the numbers of moms that were so excited that they were going to be able to give their, their little girls a brand new unboxed doll for Christmas. Just because people gave and, and, and went and served. We had opportunities for spiritual conversations to love on people and care for people. And you just gave. And I'm, I'm grateful personally to have watched, uh, d- just been a witness to the way that you, you love. The way that you honor your father in heaven through giving a, a, as he gave. And I, I just loved hearing, hearing that. Now one of the things that you may know um, about being on the other end of a charitable gift, if you're on the receiving end of charitable gift, sometimes that can be difficult for people. You know over the years in ministry here in the Charleston area for as long as I've been here, we've seen the economies fluctuate. There have been times when economy is not as good as maybe it is right now. We've seen people lose their jobs, businesses close, and people become unemployed. And when people talk in the aftermath of that, sometimes their stories about their struggle, they talk about the shame that they felt from having to receive charitably. They had always been on the giving end, but now now they're having to receive, like in an event, a love gave or, or maybe a gift at Christmas. And the truth is, it takes humility to be able to receive a gift like that. But humility like that is an honorable quality because it's a characteristic of Jesus himself. Paul tells us about that in Philippians chapter 2. He he tells us in verse 7 that Jesus gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position and was born as a human being. Jesus modeled what humility looked like. And receiving in this life a gift humbly given, receiving it humbly from somebody else, is actually very good practice for the only real way to receive the gift of Christ. We, we have to do it humbly because none of us could afford it. There's not a person, a single solitary person on this planet that could actually afford the gift of, of Jesus. We can't afford it. Here's the other part of it. We don't deserve it. No amount of money, no amount of wealth. We, 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 don't, we can't afford it, we don't deserve it. I agree with the Apostle Paul who in 2 Corinthians 9 wrote these words, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There there really aren't words to completely express all that we receive in in Jesus that first Christmas. That, that, That offer that God was making to us in this indescribable gift of Jesus. Now I don't know if you've ever noticed about a gift but sometimes gifts can kind of take on a life all their own. You know, every now and then there's like a, you can do a gift exchange and maybe for a season, you know, a big ugly rock frog will come back and haunt you. You know, it just it's that gift that keeps on giving. There, there are gifts that just, in some families, they'd be kind of come, you know, th- this gift. I got a strange gift one time. Um, it wasn't at Christmas. It was, a, it was a gift of a giant roll um, of... Uh, it was a belt that we u- was used at a paper company for drying paper. It's a great gift though. And somebody's saying, "Well, what a-. It, it weighed about 1800 pounds. We had to transport it from from Orangeburg down here on a trailer, a 30-foot trailer to get it here. But that, that has been just like one of the greatest gifts. Kathy's cousin gave it to me. And uh, it was used here. Some of you uh, worshiped God on, on that. Uh, years ago, when we had our very first service on this property, we did it outside. There was no building here. They had cleared the trees. We met kind of right out over here. And we, we laid that, we rolled that stuff out and laid it down. And uh, we put chairs on it. And we worshiped God on that stuff. And then we rolled it back up and I took it home. And the stills have used it for all kinds of things. We used it, um, if you've been in my house, we live in the woods and so part of our driveway gets muddy when it rains and so we've used it as as kind of fake pavement. You can drive on it, it doesn't get too terribly muddy. Uh, Taylor and I would cut it apart and we would tie it in trees and we would use it when we had paintball wars in the woods behind our house. Um, It was just this gift that just kept giving and it took on a life all its own. And sometimes gifts do that. Just something that was unexpected. You didn't see it coming. Uh, you didn't plan for it. And it just kind of takes on a, a life all its own. And, and the truth is that can not only happen with physical gifts but it can, it can happen w- with spiritual gifts. It can happen with, with gifts that are given that way. That, you know that, that gift literally has blessed our family for decades. But there's a gift that you and I can receive in Christ that can bless you not just for a decade or a lifetime but for eternity. I know some people when they first came to Christ they the way that they came to him uh, their understanding was kind of shallow what I call elementary and that's probably true for every every one of us I believe it is but some people kind of made their way into Christianity kind of like this they um they came to Christ just to get mom and dad off their backs that, that was the deal just if they'll just shut up I'll, I'll get baptized you know I'll do anything just to get them off my back some people kind of made their way into the Christian faith because in their circles of influence it was kind of the socially acceptable thing to do so they started you know doing the religious exercises some people got connected because they were concerned about their kids and they wanted their kids to have a religious background so you know they would they would do this they'd they'd give an hour a week you know they pray a prayer every now and then Um, but here's what happened Somewhere along the way, something changed. They began to realize how valuable a relationship with the God of all creation through his son Jesus became. And oftentimes it was because of something tragic, something like the loss of somebody they loved. Maybe the loss of a job. Maybe it was an economic depression that they were in. Maybe it was an emotional or spiritual depression that they were in. Maybe a child got, got very, very sick. But there was this catalyst and people began to realize this, this Jesus thing, this Christianity thing, it's not just a passing thing. This can actually make a difference in my life. I can, I can know God. I can come to rely on him. And then you discover along the way that it's a way of life. And so you decide to trust him. You decide to put your trust in him because you realize he can carry you through. I don't remember where I got this from. But it's a very simple statement that kind of de- describes the Christian faith in a nutshell. And it just simply goes like this. It says, the Christian faith is this. You start with Jesus, you stay with Jesus, you finish with Jesus and it doesn't get any better than Jesus. That's just it. You start with him, you stay with him, you finish with him, it just doesn't get any better. And so we receive this gift holy, this gift of Jesus when we accept it with gratitude and when we accept it with humility and then lastly when we accept it with joy. And one of the reasons we need to accept it with joy is because we don't deserve it. We, we just don't deserve it at all. Nobody does. If you look back again at, at John chapter 1 verse 12 and you, you kind of look at this, it says, But to all who did receive him, to everyone who did that, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You remember that verse goes on to say it wasn't uh, born of blood, it wasn't born of flesh, it didn't have anything to do with the will of man. That, that entire statement is kind of formed in adoption language. It, it's, it's this kind of adoption that's taking place that John's speaking of. And the way that it's worded is God is doing the choosing. God looks at you and he says, I want you. I want you in my family. So God sets out to bring you in. Because frankly, we're totally powerless. There's no way for us to become children of God without God initiating. Without God offering himself. Outside of that, we could not receive him. But in order to become a child of God, you and I, we gotta we, we've got to receive. We've got to receive this Jesus. We've got to receive this gift that God has offered us in his son. And it's only when somebody receives his son, this gift of Jesus, that we can become a child of God. Now, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't adopted. Um, I, I, we did not adopt the, the kids that, that God gave to us, but there are people in our church who have adopted. And there obviously then are some in our church who have been adopted and more than likely when you read a passage like that or any passage about adoption, you see it differently. Because you understand maybe what it was like to be taken out of, if you were adopted, maybe taken out of a, a situation. And you may have been very small and in the eyes of the world you may not have had a great deal of, you know, net worth uh, at the time. But in the midst of that, God brought you into something and it was maybe totally undeserved. But somebody reached out and said, I want you. I want you in my family. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8. He says, but you have received a spirit of adoption. God's spirit has adopted you as sons. And because of that, you can now cry out, Abba, Father. I want you to look at that that verse for just a minute. I want you to see that phrase at the end. Abba, Father. I want you to pay attention to that. When uh, we, We've had a group come back recently from, from Israel, uh, some folks in our church, and uh, I don't know if they experienced this, but I know when we were over there, there would be times when we would be in a busy area um, where there would be some families around. And that word Abba in the Aramaic language means daddy. And sometimes you could hear, just in the hustle and bustle of what was going on with families there, you could hear a child crying Abba. Abba. You would hear that. And man, when I heard that in that context and watched kids run to their dad and watch a dad pick, it it did something to my soul because that's, that's what Paul's writing about here. That God puts that in us. That when we're adopted, God gives us that ability to just call him, call him daddy. And that, that phrase there, that adoptions as sons, that, that's a legal term. It literally means that there are, there's a legal involvement, engagement that takes place here with, the, with his adoption from God. It, it's saying that everything's kosher. Every I has been dotted. Every T has been crossed. Every legal matter is taken care of so that you can be called a child of God. So that God becomes your father. But here's the deal for all of us. All of us struggle with that. All of us at some point in our Christian faith have struggled with that because of this. We are conditioned on this planet to think we have to earn everything. To think we have to earn every relationship. Our our souls get conditioned, get deformed if you would because of this world and we, 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 we just, it's a struggle for us because we believe, we believe this. We believe we either don't have or have because we're either naughty or nice. We believe we have it because we've been nice or we believe we don't have it because we've been naughty. We're taught that. We sing about it. And it, 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 it infects our minds and it keeps us from experiencing the fullness of what God intended when he adopted us when he adopts, you know. That language literally means there has been a transfer. The word that's used there is the word didomai, and it literally means that something got transferred from one account to another. It is now yours. It is now your inheritance. You've become a recipient of that and that's why you have the Spirit of God put in you that allows you to do this. When you're adopted you receive him and you become a legal heir to all that is Jesus. The, the kingdom that is his with all its rights and with all its privileges, with all its promises. I told you we, we have people in our church who have adopted. Some, some traveled to the other side of the world to do their adoption. And oftentimes people who go kind of global in their adoption are adopting in situations where that child may be destined to a life of poverty. And very often that child would be destined to being cut off from the message of Christ. And so they, they may not grow up in an environment where they would even hear the name of Jesus. And then these parents come in and, and in so many ways rescue them. They adopt them into their family. They, they bring them in. This child now has all the rights to call them dad or mom. All, all the rights have been granted to them all the privileges that come with it it one minute before the documents are signed th- this is the path that their life is on and now God's given them a new path th- th- this family has given them this new path this new new opportunity because they were adopted into their family and the same is true for a relationship with God you get adopted you get you get pulled in God sets you free and he gives you rights and privileges. And here's what happens for a child who's been adopted into a family. They begin to experience a new identity. They begin to experience this identity in this family. And the same is true for those of us who follow Jesus. Who fully receive that gift. It will change you. Over time it may not be immediate. For some people it is. But over time it will change us. That adoption by God changes us. I want to kind of move into closing today by, by reading you a, a story, a, a, an account uh, that happened. There's a, a, a pastor, he actually went on to teach in seminary. His name is Fred Craddock. And uh, Fred um, would write stories. In fact, this is in a book called Craddock Stories. And uh, I've shared this story before, um, but I love it, so uh, tough. I think, I think you'll love it. Fred writes this, he said, Nettie, Nettie was his wife, Nettie and I returned from Oklahoma to one of our favorite vacation spots in the Great Smoky Mountains. We were at a diner, uh, we were at dinner, excuse me, in a restaurant out from Gatlinburg near the small community of Cosby. We were in a rather new restaurant called the Black Bear Inn. It was very attractive and had an excellent view of the mountains early in the meal an elderly man approached our table and said good evening and I said good evening in reply he said are you on vacation and I said yes but under my breath I was saying it's really none of your business where are you from he asked well we're from Oklahoma well what do you do in Oklahoma under my breath but almost audibly I was saying leave us alone we're on vacation we don't know who you are and we don't care but what came out is I'm a Christian minister." He said, what church? I said, the Christian church. He paused a moment and said, I owe a great deal to a minister of a Christian church. And he pulled out a chair and sat down at our table. And so I said, well I certainly have a seat. I tried to make it seem sincere but I don't think it actually happened. Who is this person anyway? Well he went on to say, I grew up in these mountains. My mother was not married. And the whole community knew it. I was what was called an an illegitimate child in those days and that was brought shame. And I was ashamed. The reproach that fell on my mom of course also fell on me. When I went into town with her I could see people staring at me making guesses as to who was my father. At school the children would say ugly things to me and so I I stayed myself by myself at lunch and recess. In my early teens, I began to attend a little church back in the mountains called Laurel Springs Christian Church. It had a minister who was both attractive and frightening. He had a chiseled face and a heavy beard and a deep voice. I went to hear him preach. I didn't exactly know why, but it did something for me. However, I was afraid that I would not be welcomed since I was, as they put it, an illegitimate son. So I would go just in time for the sermon and when it was over I would move out because I was afraid that someone would say what's a boy like you doing in our church? One Sunday some people kind of clogged up the aisle before I could get out and I was stopped and before I could make my way through the group I felt a hand on my shoulder, a heavy hand. It was that minister. I cut my eyes around and caught a glimpse of his beard and his chin and I knew who it was. I trembled in fear. He turned his face around so he could see mine and seemed to be staring for just a moment. I knew what he was doing. He was going to make a guess as to who was my father. A moment later he said, well boy, you're a child of, and then he paused briefly and I knew it was coming. I could feel it. I knew I was going to be hurt. I knew that I would never go back to this church again. He said, boy, you're a child of God. I see a striking resemblance, boy. Then he swatted me on the bottom and he said, now, go out there and claim your inheritance. I left that building a different person. In fact, that was really the beginning of my life. And then Craddock writes this, he said, I was so moved by the story, I had to ask the man, what's your name? And he said, Ben Hooper. And I recalled even though vaguely Craddock writes my own father talking when I was just a child about how the people of Tennessee had twice elected as governor an illegitimate son named Ben Hooper. Ben Hooper would have never I believe gone on to become the man that he became to lead the way that he led had he never clearly heard that statement, you're a child of God. You're you're God's child. Get out there and receive your inheritance. I think he would have always lived his life in uncertainty. I think it would have been a life wrapped in fear and shame. But because, because he received that as his reality, that he could be child of God, because he received that message of life in Christ because he believed it he was forever changed he he acted upon that reality those words remember John 112 for all who received him who all who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God Paul writes to the church at Galatia trying to help them understand the power of this. In in chapter 4 verse 4 he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and as daughters. See, that's, that's the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is a great adoption story. And I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody's here today and you've never, you've never accepted that gift. You've never received it. You never accepted it gracefully. You've never accepted it humbly. You've never accepted it filled with joy over what God has done. You've never said, God, thank you. I, I receive your gift. I take it into my life. I, I, I make it my own. You, you never have, have confessed belief in Jesus as God's son. Maybe you've never publicly professed that before. And the Bible says what you do is to receive this gift is you repent of your sin. You, you say, God, I've been living my life as my own leader. And I turn from that and I'm going to let you lead my life. I'm, I'm rejecting my, my own sense of trying to be my God and I'm choosing you. And then you humble yourself by publicly submitting to baptism as a testimony to others that you are following Jesus in baptism. You are you, you following Him. And then you make the determination that what you're going to do is do what Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 tells us to do. And it simply says that we would remain faithful even to the point of death. You're just determined that you're going to remain faithful to Jesus. You, you start with Jesus. You stay with Jesus. You finish with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Your whole life becomes that. And I want to give you an invitation to do that very thing today. Maybe for the very first time. Or maybe maybe you've been kind of on this journey and you've kind of walked away from giving your full devotion. and, And you just need to renew. You just need to come back to God and say, God, I want the fullness. I want to receive fully what it means to be your child. I want to live that out. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if as I'm praying, there is something stirring in your spirit, I want to suggest to you that that may be the spirit of God stirring you to make a decision. It may be Jesus wanting to put his life in you so that you can be adopted by God. So that you can have that spirit in you. The rest of that passage out of Galatians that we started a moment ago starting in verse 6 says, Because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into his heart so that you can also know his father and cry out father. So that you can know this Christmas God is father. You can do that today. Jesus can make you right with God this Christmas. Paul goes on to finish that passage of Scripture by saying, so you're no longer a slave. You're no longer cut off from God, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. And that could be your story today. That could be the beginning of your story today. You could could claim your inheritance this day by being adopted by the God of all creation And I would love to participate in that adoption. And so if you have your worksheet out, you may want to turn it over to the back. And on the back side of your worksheet, I've taken the liberty to draw up some adoption papers. Just to draw up some adoption papers. If you can find that, it's going to come up on the screen. But it's simply a a, a statement that they're saying today, in Dorchester County, in the city of North Charleston, at River Bluff Church, in the state of South Carolina, that you have decided to be adopted by God because you're receiving His Son. You're receiving the gift of Jesus at Christmas. And maybe you've already made that decision, but you've not been living out fully the inheritance. And maybe you just want to re-up. You want to rededicate today. But I I want to say this. If today you want to sign this, and be adopted by God. By doing the things we've talked about. If you want to receive this gift humbly. If you want to receive this gift gratefully and joyfully. And you want to sign that adoption paper saying God amen. I would love to witness that. And so while we're singing or after the service. I'd love to, I'd love to sign as your witness to the day that you, you, you stepped into the family of God that you received your inheritance. But I, I want to say this that I think would be even better. I think it would be better if maybe that that person that has been praying for you by name, that person who has been modeling Christ for you, that person who invited you to come with them, maybe letting them sign it as your witness to what you're doing today would be the best thing. Whatever decision to make today, let the Lord lead you. But let me pray for us right now, okay? Let's pray. Father, we we come to this moment, many of us grateful that we live experiencing your spirit, knowing that we can cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. That we belong to you, that you are our, our Father in heaven, that we are a child of God. Father, others of us here today have, can point back to a day where maybe we assigned the adoption papers. Maybe God to, to point back to a day when we, we know we received the gift of Jesus, but there's still parts of it that we haven't opened. And we just want to recommit ourselves to fully experiencing all the grace that you intend for us to live in. So that we know confidently that we're your child. We're not cut off from that reality. That we're given that peace, that knowledge, that certainty. All the rights and privileges of life in your kingdom. So God, we recommit ourselves to that today. Maybe that's, maybe that's what you're signing up for today. Maybe there's a new commitment that God's asking you to make To express to him your gratefulness, your gratitude through obedience. Your love for him, your devotion to him. Whatever decision that you need to make, you can make it today. You can do that right where you're seated. After our service is over, there'll be some folks gathered at the crosses on either side of the front of our auditorium who would love to pray with you about any decision maybe you've made. Or if you just want to talk with somebody or be prayed over. You can do that today. Father, we come to this moment where we want to give back to you. We want to to give you our hearts. We want to give you our minds. We want to give of ourselves to you in response to, to your great gift of Christ at Christmas. We want to come and worship you. We want to worship you by giving back to your tithes and giving offering God for the sake of your kingdom so that it's spread all over the world so that the knowledge of Jesus inhabits all the earth. We come now to worship you giving thanks as we do. It's in your name we pray, dear Jesus. Amen.